You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. On this episode, we are talking about the Cradle of Astronauts and all things Purdue space-related. It's my privilege to welcome into the podcast professor in the School of Aeronautics and Astronautics, Dr. Stephen Collicott. Dr. Collicott, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm excited to have you on. Of course, anybody who listens to this podcast knows we talk a lot about sports and we talk a lot about space. So it's exciting to continue this conversation and uh, continue to see the cradle grow and just some more continued space exploration. It's always an exciting thing to talk about. So I'm happy to have you on today. Thank you much. Well, let's start off with the introduction of you. Kind of t- t- tell us about yourself, uh, uh, your role at Purdue and how long you've been there. Okay. I've been a uh, professor in the School of Aeronautics and Astronautics uh, for 30 years now. Um, Another way to refer to us would be aerospace engineering. We are part of the College of Engineering, and we just have this longer name, the School of Aeronautics and Astronautics. So I get to go to work every day in this beautiful Neil Armstrong Hall of Engineering and uh, work with exciting students, uh, captivating uh, colleagues, and do so, do all kinds of leading-edge aerospace work in a small town. So that's a real treat for me. That's awesome. Talk about uh, where this passion started and uh, what drove you to to want to do this. Well, I was eight years old watching uh, Armstrong and Aldrin step onto the moon. I I grew up during the moon race, and I I don't see how anybody my age grew up to be a doctor, a lawyer, or anything else. It was so fascinating, so captivating, uh, the notion of uh, going to the moon that, yeah, um, that that just... uh, captured my fancy uh, from a young age. I, I joke that I went uh, 0 for 1972 in Little League and realized I'd never be a Major League Baseball player, so aerospace had to be what I was going to go into. That's awesome. And uh, who would have thought, you know, a little over 20 years later, you'd be teaching at the uh, university where Neil Armstrong went, huh? Yes. It's, uh, it's, I got here New Year's Day of 91, and it's been great ever since. It's, uh, we have a great program your listeners, uh, be they high school students or have they high school students or junior high children, uh, come check out uh, Aeronautics and Astronautics at Purdue and Neil Armstrong Hall. We have a lot of great things going on from low-gravity experiments my students build to the world's best best and largest university rocket labs, uh, a very nice, very world-leading hypersonic wind tunnel facility that's getting bigger. We have experts in Um, orbits and trajectories to other planets and remote sensing of the earth and and so on down the list it just goes on and on all kinds of uh, all kinds of expertise here whether you're interested in aircraft flight or space flight that's awesome and we'll talk a little bit about uh, one of your courses here in just a little bit i want to talk about uh, one of your former students uh, shrisha bandla uh, recently became the 26th member of the cradle uh, last uh, just i think last week uh, when she took part in this virgin galactic unity flight Uh, talk about shrisha Right. On Sunday, I guess that would be Sunday, July 11th, she flew along with Aero alum uh, Beth Moses. It was Beth's second time in flight. Sarisha, I met a little over about 12 years ago, and in 2010 and 11, she was the, as a senior at Purdue in aerospace engineering, she was the team leader of a student team that uh, competed in a NASA student program proposal competition and won. They, they wrote a good enough research proposal. They got picked in, in the top tier and were able to go build their experiment, travel to NASA Johnson Space Flight Center in Houston, 
and perform their experiment in weightlessness on a um, aircraft flying parabolic flights through the through the air. So, porpoising up and down through the sky, giving them 20 to 30 seconds of weightlessness at a time. Wow! So, it's the same physics as being in orbit. It's just uh, much shorter. That's so cool. And just talk about getting to see her uh, take part in this uh, uh, flight last week. Yes, that was really exciting. She's she's done a lot since leaving Purdue. I I, I got to know her uh, even better uh, the year she spent as uh, assistant and associate director of the Commercial Space Flight Federation in Washington D.C., which is an industry organization that that teaches and advocates for um, improved. Uh, Regulation, um, safety, and, and other things in the in the uh, commercial spaceflight industry. Uh, in that role, even she she did great work. Uh, one of two or three people helping to prepare me for Senate testimony back in 2013. It was just amazing to see three years after she left Purdue, what an expert she had made herself in that end of the business. And so then from there, she went to Virgin Galactic and doing their payload systems and their government relations, and now as vice president of uh, government affairs for them, which, I mean, that's impressive in its own right, mm-hmm. 10 years out to be holding down that role for uh, a major uh, aerospace company, working with uh, governments, local governments at spaceports in Mojave, California, and uh, north of Las Cruces, New Mexico, working with state governments, working with the federal governments and all the agencies, Federal Aviation Administration, NASA, and others, Department of Transportation and the federal government. So, yeah, she was doing a lot before this flight. So I have not had a chance to chat with her after the flight or or that week before after she was announced. She, of course, has been very, very busy. Yeah during this time and is actually quite become apparently becoming quite famous back in India with with all the news coverage uh, over there including news outlets uh, interviewing her grandfather and reporting on her favorite foods That's awesome. so kind of kind of takes you back to the the reporting of the mercury era here in the states but yeah I'm excited I was really excited for her I'm very proud of her and to watch her fly on I watched the live stream on Sunday to watch she and Beth both fly uh, was a great joy, and I'm very happy for them and, and jealous. Yeah, just a little bit, right? <laughs> that would be. Uh, nah, be yeah, awesome. I'm terribly jealous. My <laughs> goodness sakes, that's that's amazing. Yeah, no kidding. Get to, to teach these students and then get to go see them, you know, to participate in this. I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, and you you mentioned Beth. You know her as well. Not a, I don't believe she was a, a student, but you know her. Talk about how you know her and how you've worked with her. Right. I remember Beth when she was a student here, though I did not have her in class. She was uh, the favorite teaching assistant of a colleague of mine who often talked about what what great work she was doing. But Beth married Mike, and Mike was doing his master's research in my laboratory, so I knew Mike. And so after their Purdue days, I got to know Beth uh, that way, because when I would take these student teams down to NASA Johnson, such as Sarisha's team, we would generally hold an informal alumni dinner, just get together in a restaurant and, and, and network and chat and reminisce. And Mike and Beth were frequent attendees of, of, that or of, of those events. And so I got to know Beth that way really after Purdue. And she, she and Mike both and Sarisha are rabid uh, Purdue fans, um, very um, passionate Purdue alums, which is a unique, really neat th- thing about my job is working with so many people and seeing them years later and they and they're so they're so proud of purdue they're so fond of what they did here and and that's really great yeah 
for sure. And then talk about like for those who might not understand what uh, Virgin Galactic is and their and what their role and what this especially this last flight was all about. Right. Well, Virgin Galactic uh, started in, uh, by uh, Sir Richard Branson after the uh, after a group won the Ansari X Prize to fly two people to space and back and to do it twice within a certain number of days, like 10 or 14 days, uh, decided to, the, to try to create a business doing this, providing space trips to space for non-NASA astronauts. <laughs> and, and this is what we call suborbital. It goes up and down uh, in a relatively short length of time. It's not going up into orbit. It's not approaching space station. You can't, there's no danger of staying up for days. There's not enough energy in the rocket to do that. But it is what um, Alan Shepard and Gus Grissom both did in the Mercury program years ago. And it is, gets you up so high, so much higher than any other opportunity, roughly 10 times higher than any commercial airliner, that, that it really is a unique uh, experience, I'm told. I, I hope to get there. And, and it really is an amazing view of Earth based on what they tell me. And I have been in some simulator flights, uh, and, and it really has taught me that it's, it's going to be really cool. You're going to look out the left window and see much of the West Coast, look out the east right window and see much of uh, the Rockies and out into the Great Plains. It's, it's, it's going to be amazing. It has to be amazing what you can see from up there. Yeah, that would, that would be awesome for sure. Um, yes. And just continue to talk about this, this cradle. Of course, I also had Laurel O'Hara on my podcast before, and then Jerry Ross was my 100th episode guest. Um, just talking about continuing to see Purdue add to this, whether it's NASA or Virgin Galactic or whatever it is that continues adding to the cradle and uh, continued uh, space exploration. Talk about this, the importance of that. Well, it's great. You know, it's, it's part of recognition of, of what our alums do, and, and we're, we love to brag about them. We're not standing around bragging about ourselves here, right? We're talking about what, what graduates go out and achieve in their own careers, and that's wonderful. And it attracts a lot of positive notice. And uh, the cradle of astronauts or wall of astronaut photos is under remodeling right now. It's not up in Armstrong Hall, third floor right now. Hopefully it will be by homecoming. Uh, but we're redoing that into a, a larger, more modern uh, version than just a couple of framed pictures on the wall. So uh, that is something that uh, Purdue visitors are going to see. Uh, a lot of visitors come to Neil Armstrong Hall. Everybody seems to take a picture with the Neil Armstrong statue out in front and put their kids up on the the pedestal, the plinth, uh, next to him and take pictures. It's a highly interactive statue for photography at Purdue. And it's, yeah, so it's great publicity for us. It's uh, very unique. Not many schools have this many alums who have been in space. I, I don't know exactly who is you know one up or not does getting one more does that put us ahead of somebody else right now i I don't keep track of that but the fact is yeah we're one of the top two or three including the military academies so it's 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 unique recognition for purdue not many schools engineering schools can say this i think all but one are engineering alums um and um they're not all aerospace they're aerospace they're mechanical, they're electrical engineers, uh, certainly on, on the list. So, 
Yeah, it's it's a wonderful part of my job here, my life here. That uh, that Purdue has this legacy that works to kind of perpetuate itself because it attracts students who are interested in this career path, and so we get to send more of them out and you know listen to what Sarisha has to say or read some of the interviews with her. <clears throat> and you'll see she she's wanted to fly in space since she was a little kid, and we get many people like that. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned uh, homecoming. I know that's often. Uh, a big event for bringing back as many of the astronauts as possible. You mentioned hopefully that wall will be done before then. And as we hopefully get back to more normal and post-pandemic uh, things here, hopefully we'll have a normal homecoming this fall at Purdue. So how, how exciting is that to see the, all the astronauts come back to campus for events like that? Well, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not a regular part of homecoming. We've, we've done it a couple of times over the last 20 years. And, and it's great fun. Uh, I've been so fortunate to get to know many of these people uh, through my years at Purdue or through work in the aerospace industry and to see them and, and chat with them and see them interact with each other and just see the uh, excitement on the faces of kids when they visit and, and meet them and adults too is is very satisfying. It's a fun part of my job to be involved uh, in all this. Um, I didn't fly to space, but wow, I get to you know, rub elbows and chat and have these people uh, talk to me as a trusted professor. It's it's really very flattering and 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 it's great to see them. It uh, obviously gets a lot of news when when we have an astronaut reunion. I we had one shortly before the pandemic, so I think it'll be a while. But who knows? I I don't plan those. <laughs> but but homecoming, yes, uh, homecoming this year. I'm looking forward to. It'll be 25 years of teaching my zero gravity flight experiment class. So we're looking to uh, have a bunch of alums back to uh, hobnob and network and celebrate and tell old stories and so on and so forth about about that alums like uh, Sarisha and her team and and oh gosh uh, we've flown I think uh, roughly 200 students in weightlessness in the airplane now and flown 41 or 42 experiments that way and launched seven experiments on five blue origin flights and we're building our first virgin galactic experiment and our first mast in space systems experiment our second up aerospace experiment and um, lost count of the ones we've been flying with exos so we have a lot going on in this class and the students are doing uh, the bulk of the work yeah how cool is it that you get to to teach that and inspire uh, uh, current students to become uh, future space explorers yeah, I, I love it. It's it's. <laughs> I, I joke that it beats lecturing, but 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 in honesty, yeah, the interactive discussions, uh, just really teaching engineering in a hands-on way, uh, integrating, you know, design for manufacturability with with in the same semester with stu for the students that they have to do that. They have to look at the fluid physics we're studying. They have to look at. Uh, electronics controls and microprocessor controls and what and selecting hardware and and control methods and trading off uh, what can we fit what do all the things we want to do won't fit either the volume the mass budget or the or the power budget so how do we how do we decide you know the the down select of what science gets done and what doesn't and deploying to a a launch or a flight test and all the troubles that go along with trying trying to uh, do high tech work remotely out in the middle of the desert often times uh, it, it's all a, I I just really enjoy teaching this way yeah and it, it, obviously it's, it's fun 
this exciting stuff, but to also talk about the importance of why uh, space exploration and, and working in aerospace is important as well. Yes. You know, it's, um, let me talk about that in the theme of this uh, recent Virgin Galactic flight and the uh, impending Blue Origin flight with, with people traveling to suborbital space in what is a, a tourism industry. As, but uh, these, this tourism industry, these tourists have managed, have inadvertently perhaps, but definitely capitalized the creation of wonderful new research laboratories for us. The ability to get three minutes of weightlessness without having to go up to space station with all the expense and time involved with that. The ability to access what's called the mesosphere and lower thermosphere parts of the atmosphere which are way above the highest balloons and and below the lowest orbits it's a, a region of our our atmosphere uh, that's active affects our climate and has been largely inaccessible so these tourist vehicles are opening up a lot of science opportunities for us and, and there's great value in that whether you're somebody like me i work with how do we control liquids like liquid rocket propellants or or refrigerants uh, in weightlessness when gravity's gone and won't keep them in the bottom of the of the vessel uh, to people astronomers want to look outwards people doing earth sensing want to look downwards and study the earth from up there atmospheric scientists want to study the atmosphere up there people in human space exploration want to test future zero gravity surgery techniques for missions to Mars, not just test them, develop them, try things. How do you manage, one of the things we've worked on, which is fascinating, is NASA wants to be able to do chest suction for emergency medical procedures like on a mission to Mars. Uh, the pump works fine, but coming out the end of the tube is basically blood and air, and you need to separate them because they're both extremely limited resources on a mission to Mars. How do you do that without using up a lot of power and space and, and, and weight? So that's, that's a fascinating task uh, we've been working on with, in, collection, in conjunction with another university and a, and a medical company. So all kinds of things uh, are enabled in science by this new industry, which so often people say, oh, it's, it's just rich tourists. <laughs> but, you know, these... Uh, small portable phones and flat screens for our televisions and computer screens were once merely uh, affordable by, by the wealthy, and now we all have them. So, yeah, right now it's a very expensive flight, uh, and uh, I, don't, I didn't buy a ticket yet. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, it, it, it should come down in price. Why? Well, these are reusable rockets, fully reusable rockets, that cuts down on the cost. These are going high enough to get into space, but not going so high that they get really, really hot re-entering. So it kind of keeps down the cost of, of the structure of the flight vehicle. And they're looking to turn it around more and more at, for example, Virgin Galactic at New Mexico Spaceport America. That's a dedicated runway, dedicated facility to do this type of work. They're not trying to do this out of an airport and um, launch a rocket between 737 landings or anything. And then Blue Origin has their own dedicated facility out in West Texas uh, on a bunch of Jeff Bezos's land. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, with dedicated facilities, fully reusable vehicles, multiple vehicles flying, 
for each company soon, I think the cost will come down. And I, I tell the students in class, you know, they look at a quarter million dollar ticket and like many of us say, well, I'm never going to buy that. But my point is, you know, let's go back 60 years. Uh, jet travel across the country on 707 and DC-8s, that was new. That was very expensive. People, most people didn't do that. Yeah. But, you know, in the mid-late 90s, so not even 40 years later, uh, my parents on a whim would buy tickets and fly across the country the next day to see their grandchildren. Yeah. And so cross-country jet travel and even international jet travel from 1960 to now has, has come down in price so much. It's so very common now. And the same thing uh, I expect to see happen with these vehicles. So I tell the students, you know, they're going to want to get together for somebody's 50th birthday <laughs> in the years ahead. And, and they're going to say, hey, let's all go fly to space for, you know, uh, Pete's 50th birthday. So it's going to be something like that. Yeah. You know, rather than hop on a plane and go to, uh, you know, um, Myrtle Beach and play golf for a week, <laughs> people, people say, hey, yeah, let's, let's go fly to space and celebrate. Wow, that would be that would be incredible. That'd be really, uh, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, you talked about you know development over the years and technology and, and prices coming down and stuff. I want to also go back. We just you know celebrated the 50th anniversary of Neil Armstrong's uh, trip to the moon uh, a couple years ago. Um, now it's been 50 plus years, and we we haven't seen that since. Do you, do you see uh, NASA or sending somebody up to the moon again and making that a successful trip? Oh, definitely with the Artemis program. Yes, okay. and. Um, first woman to the moon mm -hmm. so yeah that's um that's on target that's that's going to happen it might not happen as fast as some politicians announced <laughs> but, but but that's that's nothing new in in the space program that'd be um, awesome i joked with uh, yeah no there's a lot of work being done and um on those vehicles and and uh people are charging ahead and yeah it's um it's it's interesting. It's going to be interesting. You know the other yeah, it's um, the other thing happening too is commercial lunar payload systems, CLPS, CLPS. Uh, NASA is actually buying rides to the moon for science packages from companies. So there's companies. There's about a dozen companies building commercial lunar landers wow. now, not not for humans, but for various research packages. Okay. And that's amazing. Whoever thought there'd be a lunar landing industry. No kidding. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, right. We don't have footprints. We're not making footprints on the moon right now. Um, we're headed that way. And even before then, we're going to be seeing more vehicles than ever before landing on the moon. Wow. Well, while we're, while we're waiting for that to happen, what's next for Purdue and AAE students uh, and uh, their future as far as students and then uh, post-graduation uh, from Purdue? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I hadn't thought about that lately. Um, what's next for students? You know, I, uh, President Daniels had a uh, direct public statement about uh, we're going to be in the classrooms. We're going to be teaching in person. Uh, fortunately, that, that's, that's gone very well. Uh, the vaccines are working. To, I'm no um, epidemiologist. I can't even spell epidemiologist. <laughs> but um, you know, the, you look around to the world around you, and um, how many fewer people are are, are, are in the hospital from COVID? Uh, things are working, mm -hmm. and so we are going to be back in class in person. 
big time this fall. I've been teaching in person since July 4th of last year with this project-based class. It's hard to do design, build, test, yeah. uh, build real flight projects if people are sitting at home on, on WebEx or Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, our, our Purdue uh, leadership and, and, and the medical experts that you know, laid down some rules. We followed the rules carefully, and uh, yeah, we had uh, we had good success. And so, I'm very much looking forward to having lots of students back in the fall. It's been a crazy campus with so few students. The atmosphere is different, mm-hmm. and um, I think uh, students overall, remotely, we're, we're we're getting tired of remote, and uh, a lot of people disengaging like they would not do if they were in person. So, I expect a lot better education. A lot better interactions, a lot better education, a lot more in-depth discussions, which is what education really needs uh, uh, this fall. So that, that's really good this year. Yeah, amen to that. I was going to say your your class of of any on campus probably as much as any would need to be in person for just the experiments that you guys uh, perform. Oh, yeah. Well, we do that. And then there's also design build test here for aircraft uh, working with various drones, you know, uninhabited air vehicles. And there's a propul- rocket propulsion design build test uh, class and so yeah that's what i do is the unique thing about what i do is is the zero gravity work but but this type of engineering education goes on all over here it's really a great thing uh, that you cannot (laughs) you really cannot replicate online there's uh, no doubt about it i mean last uh, march and april we we scrambled because we had to and and finished up our classes online and mailed uh electronics parts around uh, <laughs> for students to finish up in their parents home and this kind of stuff but uh, but yeah it's nice to be back in in in, in town this way for for alums you know it's it's been crazy for some of the young people to get jobs and be told you know you're starting work for uh spacely sprockets but but don't show up mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll send you we'll send you a computer uh, you're going to start getting up to speed on what we do from from your apartment, and sometimes many months before they actually met the people they were employed by and, and working with. So that fortunately looks like it's behind from for our graduates coming up uh, this year in in like May of 2022. They should be able to go back to the traditional method of showing up at work uh, as a new hire, uh, going through all the boring onboarding procedures. But, uh, yeah, uh, there were still jobs. Students were still getting hired in aerospace. And uh, there's, there's, there's a lot going on in the industry right now with lunar activity, human lunar, science lunar, low Earth orbit, what's going to follow on space station. Space station is going to wear out someday, mm-hmm. some year. And, you know, SpaceX, of course, uh, just really, really changed the whole, the way we all think about space with its, first its commercial satellite launching, and then with uh, commercial crew delivery to space station and commercial crew return. It's just, what what a remarkable change in the way we do business that NASA's buying rides for a uh, for their astronauts on this this rather routine commute now from Earth's surface to space station, and that uh, some people seem to stress that NASA is doing less, but I think it's a great thing because it frees NASA up to do exploration yeah. rather than rather than uh, running a commuter service, so to speak. So uh, yeah, I, I love the uh, the division of labor there, the cooperations between the groups, and 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 that's really nice, really good. So. 
That's awesome. Hey, Dr. Kalika, it's been a privilege having you on the podcast and just learning from you in this last half hour. As we're wrapping up, just anything else you want our listeners to know? Oh, my. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Um, hopefully, Purdue Space Day will come back in person. Look for that online. That's for a young one Saturday in the fall for young people. Mm. And um, schools can now fly an experiment to space and back on Blue Origin for half the cost of high school football uniforms. <laughs> Honestly, um, I've done it with a second grade class here in West Lafayette who wanted to know if fireflies would light up in the space station. They do. And just as schools all over the country, parents and local businesses uh, work with an athletic booster club to raise money for major sports, well, parents and local businesses can start a rocket booster club. And they're uh, their kids, their schools can fly experiments to space and back. I would send people to the Arete STEM Foundation, A-R-E-T-E dash STEM Foundation online, which is a, a nonprofit set up to help facilitate teachers getting their, their payloads created and getting them to space. Wow, that's really cool. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And Dr. Collicott, again, just thank you uh, for joining the Full Steam Ahead of Podcast. Yeah, hey, it's been fun. Thanks a lot, Adam. I appreciate uh, the time you take with this. No problem. You take care and boiler up. Right, boiler up. Awesome. Bye. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod, and you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.